This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome to the agenda. I'm Dan Morgan. This is Joel Rabinovitz. We work for Liverpool.com. Liverpool.com is a website giving you all the latest news, reaction, uh, and opinion around Liverpool Football Club. Be sure to check us out. And there's plenty of news, Joel, about today because today's transfer deadline day, obviously. It doesn't look like Liverpool will be doing any significant business. It hasn't looked that way all summer, really. Um, how okay are you with that? I think that there's two things to say here. One is, I'll be honest, I wanted one or two signings this summer. I think a couple of positions in the squad just needed a couple of bits of business to strengthen. I think particularly at left-back, there's not really a kind of obvious understudy to Robertson in the squad. So I would have liked to see one come in there. And for me, the most important thing um, was just bringing in one more quality player for the front three, preferably someone who could play on the left-hand side. So not even if it's a case of injury with Mane or Salah, but if you're just kind of rotating, they've played an awful lot of football over the last few years. That would have been something I would have liked to have seen done. Um, so I'm a little bit disappointed on that front. That said, the big caveat is... I still think we can put a lot of trust uh, in Klopp and Michael Edwards and all the backroom staff to know what they're doing. Um, over the last few years, really, Liverpool's transfer business on the whole has been probably the best in Europe. Um, it's all been underpinned by a kind of long-term plan and, like you say, not getting drawn into any kind of panic buys or kind of reacting to whatever clubs do. Uh, I think Klopp's come out in the last few days and kind of said there's no sense in buying just because everyone else is buying. We've got our own plan. We know what we're doing and we'll stick to it. So on the one hand, there's what I would have liked to have seen, but I'm still confident that people in charge know what they're doing. They will have had a plan and there will be reasons there. And we can't know what those reasons are for not buying players, but there will be sound logic behind it. So yeah, the season starts tomorrow. I can't wait and I'm not overly bothered. I'm still hugely excited. We've got a brilliant squad for the season. I mean, I suppose the eternal question is why they haven't. Mm. Um, do you take Klopp and, you know, the club at their word that, you know, they're happy with the, the squad they've got? You know, they want to retain the squad they've got. It costs money to retain a squad um, that is undoubtedly at their peak, you know, average age of 26 and two months or something like that for the Champions League winners. does make sense on the, on the face of it. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. But do you think there's anything else that has gone on behind the scenes that we're not we're not privy to in, in the sense that they might have identified a player but it just wasn't possible this summer? So they've decided to wait until January next summer. Do you I know it's 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 guessing games, I know it's you know it's opinion in many ways, but do you think there's something else gone on behind the scenes or do you think it's just a case that they've decided to to sit on what they've got this summer? I think what you can definitely say about Liverpool's transfers in the last few years is that they're all kind of long-term things they're never kind of a reactionary buy mm. we're not an opportunistic club um, for example looking at Dybala for example I doubt he's been a player that Spurs have been pursuing for ages he may well have been but it seems like something that they've done which is reacting to the current transfer market Liverpool's business under Klopp really has all been about identifying the best possible players in every position which are going to make a long-term difference and Klopp has been absolutely patient and the owners have given him the, the funds to do that. Well, I um, think there's that thing, isn't there? Sorry to jump in, but sure. there's, there's the thing, isn't there, of, you know, we, we've said for the last few windows now when we've we've made a significant sign and this is a player who will improve the first team. Now, the first team is that good <laughs> that there's not many of those about in world football and the ones that are aren't really available. So, I suppose it's a... I suppose it's a byproduct of of being so successful and such a good side that you know 
your pool almost shortens in terms of the quality of play you're going to buy if they are to come in and improve the first team. Yeah, it's uncharted territory, really. I can't remember a point in my lifetime anyway to put in Liverpool where we've, we've had a point really where the starting eleven is kind of at a point where I'd say you can't really upgrade that easily. I know people have kind of perennial conversation about the midfield and whether we need a number 10 there but in most of the positions those players there are kind of as good as you'll get we've got the best centre-back two of the best full-backs the best goalkeeper an unbelievable front three and a midfield which might not be individually the best in the world but does exactly what Klopp wants for the Mm. system Um, so all of that means that Liverpool are in a difficult position Um, any player they might have wanted to sign this summer you've got to sell the fact that it might be difficult to get into the first team you might initially come in as a kind of a player who's going to play back up initially and you might have to fight your way in. That's a difficult thing to do when you're trying to sign a, a high caliber player who'll make a difference for Liverpool. So it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, you know, we should have gone head to head with Arsenal and signed Nicolas Pepe. We're in the Champions League, they're not. We should have just paid the money and got him. But we don't know if he's happy to kind of move and play kind of second fiddle to yeah, Mane exactly. and Salah to begin with. Um, so that's a big thing to consider. I also think, you know, talking about unknown factors that go on behind the scenes, Liverpool will have their list of targets for this summer. They'll probably have a list of targets already in every position for next summer. We know that the amount of kind of analytics work that goes in behind the scenes at the club these days is kind of better than it's ever been before. So what we don't know is what their plans are long term for next year. They could be a massive player who they've had their eyes on for the last few years that they absolutely want to get next summer that wasn't available this time. And all that means is you might not be able to spend 30 million or 40 million on a player who could come in and do a, a decent job this season, but that then comes out of your budget for next summer. Um, so we don't know that. And I think the other thing that you touched on and it is massive and we, we can skirt over it, but it's just not been the case in the past is that we've been able to keep together the core of the squad, which just won a Champions yeah. League. It got 97 points. And, and these players, there's not been any whispers of Mane, Salah, Firmino, Van Dijk, any of them leaving because why would they? They've just won the biggest trophy out there that they can win. Um, so like Klopp says, and fans may not like to hear it, that sort of thing does cost money. Most of these players, especially the front three, have been put on new long-term contracts in the last few years. Again, that's something that fans have complained about in the past, why Liverpool not paying the wages to keep their best players. The club are now doing that and all of that kind of has to be taken into account. Uh, in the market so there will be reasons there we can't know all of it but at the end of the day Liverpool still got a fantastic squad and there are a couple of players coming back and emerging who, who could make a significant difference Across the league then there seems to be a lot of activity which you would expect on transfer deadline day um, Everton across the park are seemingly scouring the league for anyone they can get their hands on at the moment they've tried for Players like David Luiz, uh, Alex Awobi, Zahar and Zakore, of course. Um, they've tried for Marcus Rojo, apparently, in the past few hours. Do you think it's a... Everton looks to have done good business, first and foremost, this summer. You know, Moise Keane looks a good player. The other signs they've made seem to make sense, um, in addition to losing Adrissa Garnagay. Do you think it's a little bit... Um, I don't know, for want of a better phrase, desperate to be looking around for transfers at this point of the, of the deadline. And, and what I say that with with full awareness that everybody's had a full summer to get players in here. It just always baffles me that everybody ends up in this situation with five hours left, that they are absolutely scrambling to get deals done that, for me, look like they could have been done or not done throughout throughout the past two, three weeks and months. 
Seems to happen every summer with Everton. Um, you get to the end of a window and you, you go online and every five minutes are linked with a new player. Um, like you said, I think in fairness to them, the business they have done looks promising. I mm. think if he hits the ground running and he clicks, Moyes Keane could be fantastic. You know, they paid 30 million, but you know, if he does well this season, he could be worth double that potentially in the market next summer. So that's a really exciting one if it works out. Um, it's kind of limited evidence so far but from what you've seen at Juventus he's got massive potential um, but yeah it is strange because you you would think kind of the amount of planning that goes into transfers these days that they, they would have had a list of targets and a lot of these players they would have known that they wanted back at the start of the summer um, and when you think of the importance that kind of modern managers especially put into kind of complex pre-season training programs and getting mm. their players kind of up to speed there's a huge emphasis on that we've seen it with Klopp he always likes to get his players in early so they're kind of prepared for the full season ahead which means not scrambling around on the very last few hours of a transfer window and um, to pick players up so it is a bit strange and if you bring players in that late it all has a kind of knock-on effect on how they integrate how they integrate with each other with the squads how they adapt to the league um it is strange and it's not it's not just Everton like you look at what Arsenal are doing today yeah. um they've known all summer they've obviously made some good attacking signings Pepe and Ceballos in midfield as well but they're big area they had to improve all summer was a defence it was shocking last season they obviously lost Koscielny who I think was probably the best defender at the club still um, so that's hardly a great start and they got that Saliba who's gone back on loan to St Etienne so he's not going to play this season and you wonder how knowing that all summer that was a priority you can end up in a point where in the final few hours of the window you're settling on David Luiz 32 years old I mean is he the best they could have got? Rafa Benitez says he's the best centre-back he's ever coached. Which is, genuinely said he's yeah. the best centre-back he's ever coached, which sounds mad on the on the face of it. But I think he's a good player, David Luiz, but I totally take your point and agree with you that is he the best they could have got? Could they have put their time and effort into something in the days, weeks, months previous? But like I say, it just seems to be the beauty or the horror of the final day of the window. Um, anyone else? Spurs look to be... Quite busy. Tabala looks off. Spurs are a really interesting one. Yeah, the one that I'm a little bit jealous of, to be honest, is Ryan Sessegnon. I think he, I would have quite liked to have seen Liverpool look at him this summer um, in terms of what we need in our squad. I mentioned already, but a kind of a backup left back, attacking left back for Robertson and a player who could do potentially something a little bit further forward. Uh, his goal record is unbelievable for Fulham. Um, he's only 19 and he scored well over 20 goals playing kind of left back and left midfield. Um, difficult season for him last year obviously Fulham as a whole were a bit of a mess in the Premier League last year so it's hard to judge him on that but I think what, for what they've paid 25 million for a player who could potentially solve their left back problem for the next decade or so I think that's a fantastic deal um, yeah they've been linked this morning seems to be mad if you're a Spurs fan it's changing every five minutes you wake up this morning and they're signing Paolo Dybala that looks like it's not happening which I hope is the case because I think it'd be absolutely brilliant there um, but it does seem like they're going to be signing this Lo Celso, again, another Argentinian attacking midfielder um, from Betis. Um, did well on loan at Paris Saint-Germain. It's got really impressive numbers there. So I think they've had a decent summer. Um, Pochettino finally has been given some of the funds to kind of reinvest after kind of squeezing the absolute most out of his squad for the last few years. Um, so that's good for them. There's obviously a, a chasm, really, in terms of points that they've got to make up on Liverpool and City ended up being, was it 24, 25, 26 points at the end last season. So whether their business is enough to do that, I think it would take a pretty dramatic drop-off from Liverpool or City. Um, but I think they've done well. Um, 
and Endombele as well as the other one you have to yeah. mention. Um, good players, wasn't he? Yeah, I mostly saw him in the Champions League last season against City um, for Leon. But from everything you've seen in Reds, he looks like one of the most exciting kind of box to box players around. So, absolutely, I think they've had a good summer. Finally, big Andy Carroll back to Newcastle. <laughs> looks like it could happen. Full circle. Yeah, um, it seems like a move which it makes a lot of sense really for him. Um, yeah, there's a huge amount of regret with Carroll. Really, was he got that goal against Everton and? It was obviously a player in there, his his problem really throughout his entire career, which is it's a real shame. It's just he's never been able to get himself on the pitch. Um, you know, his actual record when he does play for West Ham over the last few years has not been bad at all. You know, in terms of if you play to his strengths, um, there's not many players who've got a better in the air and got a better left foot than him. Um, so he's just, he's still a player that I a bit of a soft spot for. And uh, I quite like to see him do well at Newcastle. Yeah, we wish him well here at Liverpool as long as he doesn't rattle in a 25 <laughs> yards at St yeah. James's Park against us next season. Um, thanks very much to Joel. I've been Dan. We don't have yellow ties on, unfortunately, but we are on liverpool.com all day bringing you tons and tons of content around the transfer window and beyond. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.